<laughs> All right, so let's just uh, go straight in it. One of our first topics concerning the changing market is my <gasps> dishwasher. I'll be back. <laughs> Hi and welcome to On Location, the real estate podcast brought to you by the Brown Real Estate Group, where we talk about location as it relates to real estate. And today, a big topic, the changing market. Well, welcome back, Melody. Thank you. I'm Rob, your Melody. Today we have Melody and special guest, Tony. Yes, Tony the cat. Tony the cat will be silent. Exactly. Currently taking her nap. So she shouldn't bother us. (laughs) And hopefully our listeners won't take a nap. Exactly. (laughs) Because, yeah, the subject of today is a little academic, if I could say so. Uh, It's a lot of uh, big words, big uh, new definition to understand. Oh, lots of numbers. (laughs) Smart people talk. Lots of smart stuff. Lots of big brain energy today. But don't worry. I'll do my best to dumb it down like I always do. (laughs) One of the first topics that I would uh, like us to go into is kind of an assessment on what's happening, which is we're still in the pandemic. A lot of people are still working from home. Uh, We talked about this in previous podcasts of what is the effect on people, but also on society and economy. Uh, What is the effect that it has on the market right now that's a good question and i think while it is an ongoing pandemic i guess we're not technically in the endemic stage yet i I do think we see yeah unfortunately is right i do think we see people making fewer decisions with the pandemic in mind so those that have have moved or wanted more space to work from home they've already done that there is some work, people coming back to the office. So there are people looking to purchase. I know we've talked to some buyers who, you know, don't want to do the commute anymore now that they have yes. to come back. So there is some of that, but I think by and large, even if it's still an ongoing pandemic, a lot of people, whether it's just because they're tired of it or because they've already had COVID once or twice or. <laughs> Whatever the case might be, there's just a lot of people who are just sort of getting back to business as usual. Yeah, we can see uh, in San Francisco, a lot of uh, tech companies already ask uh, their employee to come back to work. We see also, as we talked about in in previous podcasts concerning the pandemic, as we said before, people are asking for an extra room that they can turn into an office. Uh, they're also looking for gardens so they can have their time outside and don't need to be as um, crowded as they could be in a park or, or whatever. Yeah, and I think what we don't maybe see, you know, those things will be baked into a lot of people's psyche going forward when they look at a place. You know, it, it's been a weird couple of years. I think people will remember that to a point and they're going to sure. want those spaces. So still very desirable especially in an urban setting where you don't necessarily have the outdoor space mm-hmm. or just as much space in general um people still want that but overall what we are seeing in the market at least here in the bay area is very much a return to seasonality 
we're in uh-huh. summer. It's a slow time for the market. A lot of people traveling, a lot of people away. Uh, the numbers are in line with prior years in terms of that summer lull, uh, lower inventory, lower activity, mm-hmm. a, a bigger factor. I think that's affecting the actual market now is more an economic one. Do you have a big uh, word that we can't stop hearing on TV those days in, um, in uh, relation to the market is recession. So please, Rob, enlighten us. What is a recession? Are we heading uh, into one? And if so, do you have any advice? Well, I'm not an economist, but... Generally, they're the ones that would define what a recession is. And and they essentially say two consecutive quarters of a contraction in the economy, you're in a recession. And we did see that. We're we're here, we're recording in August of 2022. And recently, uh, after the end of the second quarter, uh, we did see that the economy had shrunk once more. So... That part of it would indicate we are in a recession. The, the case could be argued either way. We're, we're in one or we're not in one or we're not in one yet. So when I wasn't around, when I was uh, visiting my family in France, you had a podcast without me about the inflation. Oh, you heard that one. Yes. Did I heard really it on the plane to come to back. Ah, yeah, okay. well, on the plane to come back. Wow, um, that, you listen to it over and over for nine hours? No, it's 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 an eleven-hour <laughs> flight, oh. and uh, no, I just uh, listened to it at the beginning. I'm gonna be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> well, But, we did, I talked about inflation. Yes, trying to link that podcast about inflation to now this one about the changing market and also recession. Uh, can you please explain to us what's the difference between the two and if they're related to each other? Well, and, and I do apologize to our listeners for doing a podcast without Melody. I, I saw on the subreddit that if we did another one, <laughs> they were just not going to have it. So welcome back again, Melody. And Thank you. And thanks for the, the good question. So inflation is definitely totally different. Uh, I think it was... Uh, Fortune had a a really good article titled Recession and Inflation are not the same thing. The economy Mm -hmm. going backward isn't the same as you getting poorer. And I thought that was a great way to summarize it. We can link to that in the show notes. But essentially, we talked about, you know, the economy going backward or shrinking. That's one of the key indicators of recession. We just kind of talked about That, yes. that second part, you getting poorer, me getting poorer, all of us getting poorer relates to the fact that we all pay with dollars. And the value of that dollar, that $5 bill or whatever today, is not worth as much as it was, let's say, a year ago. Mm-hmm. So that is the, um, the what inflation does. Essentially, the cost of goods, the cost of services, goes up and so you need more money to buy the same thing 
Staying on the same note, uh, to combat inflation, the Fed has been raising rate, resulting in raise, rising. What's this, the biggest alliteration in R? Raising rate, resulting in rising rates? <laughs> What are you doing to me? You remember When, how that much I'm not rates an American? Could the Fed raise if the rate that <laughs> could raise rates? Starting back in 1942 or so, the Second World War, the U.S. Uh, Federal Open Market Committee started setting a target for the Fed funds rate. Um, eight or nine times a year, they meet, they set the rates, and that's what's when what you're talking about. We've heard in the news the Fed's raising rates, raising rate resulting in rising rate. Yeehaw! Essentially, the rates at which banks borrow money from the Fed or other banks, and that's all part of them having money in reserves for the loans they're making and that sort of thing. The cost of money for the banks increases. That means for them to be profitable, if they're going to loan out money, they need to raise those rates. And so while it's not like a one-to-one -one linkage, it definitely has an impact. And if the mortgage rates go up, then that means your monthly payment goes up for the same purchase amount. And if somebody is, is looking where they're already, say, near their their cap and what their affordability is, then now all of a sudden they can't afford as much. We heard about the growing gap in market affordability. How is affordability measured? And in a more broad question, is San Francisco going to be a VIP elite city only? And by that, I mean, can someone who is at 80,000 a year will be able to afford living in San Francisco? To, to go to your initial question, how is it actually measured? Typically, they do it with what they call an affordability index. Mm -hmm. Based on the median sales price of a single family home in a particular area, they'll say, okay, this is the median sales price. This is what you're, you know, assuming a 20% down payment, assuming the current mortgage rates of what they, whatever they might be, you know, this is your monthly payment. So mm -hmm. now they sort of fold in the old adage that the 30% of your income should go towards housing. Yes. And then they back that out and they say, okay, so if 30% of your income is going towards paying this mortgage payment, you need to be making however much a year to be able to buy the median home. Yes that percentage of the population in that area that is making that amount then becomes the affordability index. Mm -hmm. So for example, to, to put that into some real numbers, using the latest numbers from quarter two, 2022, 38% uh, of the U.S. is able to buy the median single family home. So that means that roughly, you know, four out of 10 people can afford that median price single family home. Of course, there's less expensive, smaller houses, other options, you know, condominiums tend to be less expensive. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that, you know, the other percentage of people can't afford housing, but they just can't afford that medium that price medium single family mm -hmm. home. In California, where we're recording, 16% is, is the figure. Yes. So less than 
less than half or you know twice as much of an affordability problem if you want to put it that way um, so going to your second part of the question more specifically here for san francisco is is san francisco going to be vip only elite um, elite yeah I, I think there's some that would argue it already is uh of course when you live in a more expensive area, you tend to be paid more, which is why a lot of people, you know, maybe they left the city, moved out to suburbia, you know, they could buy more for their money. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're buying with, they're getting paid in a urban kind of scale. Yeah. And they're paying out in a rural scale. Working in San Francisco, but living in the East Bay. Right. So the affordability question, mm -hmm. it still changed significantly. So a year ago, 2021, quarter two, the, the the measure of how much you needed to make to buy that median single family home in San Francisco was 248000 a year, as opposed to uh, 66000 for the median uh, throughout the United States. Right. So certainly costs more to live in the SF Bay Area. Of course. Again, most employers, I mean, you're, they're going to pay people more. But of course, you know, certain jobs uh, will support that and certain and won't. And so that is mm -hmm. why we always have, you know, a housing issue here. Now, fast forward a year later, current figure for San Francisco uh, 337,200. This is, by the way, these are based from the uh, California Association of Realtors website. We'll link to this in the show, notes, show notes as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and throughout the United States, that number, 93,200. So a significant difference everywhere. Percentage-wise, the U.S. has actually increased more than San Francisco. So, so looking at those numbers, that's for, that's over forty-one percent increase uh -huh. throughout the U.S. and a thirty-six percent increase in San Francisco. I mean, both are extremely close. You know, big numbers when it comes to affordability, mm -hmm. and they're fairly close. Yeah, but I mean, as you can see, San Francisco has actually not increased uh, in proportion. So, okay. Probably not uh, likely to be any more VIP than it already is. Yeah. Yeah. If you need a quarter million, <laughs> makes sense. Well, interestingly, I mean, San Francisco actually has a higher percentage of affordability than the state as a whole. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Rob. I have a few less questions for you. They're going to be a little more heller to uh, her customer. So as we said, the market is always changing. In this current economy, what is your advice to buyers? There's always going to be a way. So if you're a buyer and you're looking to buy, you know, maybe talk to your loan agent, see where the rates are at now. You know, don't count yourself out of the market, but maybe just adjust what you're looking at. Obviously, what is affordable to you, but then also not every neighborhood, not every area is going to change at the same rate. Things happen very quickly locally. And so you may find a better deal in that area that you're looking at than you might have had a few months ago. So keep looking and, um, you know, keep up to date, keep in touch with your loan agent, uh, assuming you're getting a loan and keep in touch with your real estate agent all the time. 
now we talked about the buyer, let's consider the overside, the seller, and the real estate agent. What would be your advice to make a listing pop? Because there is a lot of inventory, so a lot of choice. What would you advise a seller or their real estate agent to do to make the list their listing the one that's going to be sold? Well, that's a great question. We we do a lot with buyers and sellers, probably a little more with sellers in general. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that you, you really need to do when the market gets a little tougher is you got to be on top of your game. You got to make sure that you stick to the basics. So as an agent that you're presenting that property in the best light, you know, we always use professional photography. Uh, There's lots of different things between aerials and video and everything like that available these days. Staging the property too is something that we don't really do in France and this is extremely luxury. Uh, and as you said before, it needs to be vacant. Uh, but uh, I think staging really does help because a lot of people will enter a, a home that hasn't been staged and find a cluster and like find it smaller just because a person has been living here for so long. Yeah, you know, most closets, if they're like mine, you open the door and you, you kind of brace yourself for whatever might fall out. Exactly, yeah. That's not a good look for the buyer coming in. You know, they think, oh, there's not enough room. Not I enough mean, space. we all know the more stuff, the more space you have, the more stuff you'll get and the more you'll fill it. But, you know, thinning out, like whether it be like you said, you know, staging is always nice, a, a nice vanilla look, you know, more appealing to everybody. Yeah, more of a blank canvas, even if it is, you know, you have to like whatever furniture they put if it's minimalistic or whatever but uh it does make it easier for you to imagine yourself in there it goes back to um that episode we did about how to decluster your home take away your photos so that your buyer or future buyer if i could say would be able to see themselves yes, in the see. home yeah whether it be a full-on staging or more of a streamlining or what have you to, you know, do the best you can with that. But, but really going back to like the professional photography, we always have great copywriting and things like that. And most buyers are going to find their home on the internet, whether their real estate agent is emailing them a listing or (laughs) sending them a text to a listing or whatever it is that they're doing, you know, it's all the photos and the presentation that the listing agent is putting together. So of course. really important not to, to skip any of the details. And then really important to get the price right. So, you know, four years ago, we just put a number on it and the market just went crazy and it sold and everyone was happy. Well, you, you gotta be on top of it now. You gotta kind of know where it's gonna go and you really gotta talk pricing strategy. You really, as an agent, have to have that discussion with the seller realistically. Mm-hmm. We do. We run the stats. You run the stats every week. Market report. We do our own. <laughs> we do our own internal market report. We're also doing a tremendous volume, so we have that sort of boots on the ground and the data to go and adjust accordingly, so we can stay ahead of it 
you don't want to be in a changing market. You don't want to be pricing it behind the market. Right. My last question it comes back a little bit to um, the one previously. What is your advice to buyer? And you, you kind of already answer it. But uh, what would you suggest for anyone that finds themselves no longer in position to buy, sell? Yeah, that's a great question to wrap up on. You know, it's a difficult time, but we've been through a difficult time in the last couple of years. So I think we're in a better spot today to make a move for a lot of people that couldn't mm -hmm. before. There's always options, whether it's looking in an area that you weren't considering to purchase before or, you know, if you're selling, I mean, odds are you're you're going to be moving somewhere. So that other market may be impacted in a different way. So mm -hmm. don't, you know, especially if you're moving from one area to a totally different area, you know, don't just assume that other area is the same as the one you're selling in. If, if it's far enough away or even here, we see in the city, some neighborhoods have continued to remain much stronger in sales than other ones. So You know, things, again, are very local, very much about location. So stick with it, keep looking, and make that move. All right. Thank you, Rob, for answering all of our questions about inflation, about recession, about affordability. And thank you for giving us advice, buyer, seller, and real estate agent on how to navigate the market. Well, thank you, Melody, for coming back and rescuing me from... Doing another doing one alone. Until <laughs> next time, if you have questions, find us on Instagram at Brown Real Estate Group. You can find us also on Twitter at Brown Real Estate Group too. And also on Facebook at Brown Real Estate Group. If you have any questions, please hit us up at podcast at reonlocation.com. Thanks to for everybody who listened to us and we'll be back soon. Bye.